on the last uh, sermon in a very brief series called Take the Plunge into Strategic Service. And the ministry fair is in full swing, and I'm going to let you guys out of here about uh, 10 past 10. Believe God. Let's believe God that pastor is going to be done at 10 past 10, okay? It's going to take a miracle, but I know God is able, so believe the Lord today for that. But I want to talk to you just a little bit, and um, I want to direct this message to teenagers, and I know some of them uh, wait until the second service to come because they have their own service, but if there are any teenagers here today, I want you to hear me because we want you to volunteer um, Back when I was a teenager, the church did not even really give opportunities for teenagers to be involved in ministry very much. That is not the case here at Whitley Church. We want our teenagers involved. We want teenagers serving as greeters and serving as guest guides and ushers and helping out in the coffee shop. And there's just a whole ton of uh, opportunities for you. So teenagers and adults, anyone who appreciates this church and appreciates the blessing that it has been in your life, we're challenging you to get off the sidelines and get into the game and become a part of the ministry here at Whitley Church. Now, if you choose not to serve, if you choose to stay on the sidelines, I want to tell you that the problem is not going to be with us It's not going to be with the church. The problem is going to be for you because, see, God designed you and made you. He called you. He commissioned you to take your gifts and your talents. And I've taught this enough. You ought to know that every person has at least one gift, at least one spiritual gift, talent, that um, you're very, very good at. And God wants you to take that talent. Listen to me carefully now. And he wants you to bring it into the body of Christ and use it. Synchronize your gift with other believers. Use your gift in tandem with other believers in what is called the body of Christ. And when you do that... Um, It is so important that you do that because when you link up with other believers, listen, when you hook your gift up and you hook your talent up with other believers and their talents, you can do far more for God connected to other believers than you could ever do alone out there by yourself. And so we want you to uh, get hooked up. Let's look in the book of Ephesians this morning, chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. Paul is talking about this big one thing, and he uses the word one a lot. Let's look at it. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called into one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all, y'all. Amen? So what he's talking about right there is you are a part of this big one thing and this big one thing that you're a part of when you accepted Jesus into your heart as your Savior, you became a part of this big one thing called the body of Christ. You are in the body of Christ. Now, Paul is teaching us here how the church is supposed to function. The Bible is very clear on how the church functions. And I'm going to tell you, just about every time, and I've been a pastor since I was 19 years old, and I'm 28 now, and so I've been a pastor a long time. 
I've been a pastor since I was 19. I'm 51. I've been a preacher. I felt the call into the ministry since I was 17. So this is all I've ever done. And I want to I fess up something here. Every time I have had difficulty in any church I've ever pastored, it was because I stepped away from the biblical pattern on how a church ought to be run, how a church ought to function. God has told us. He has told us how the church is supposed to function. But you know, sometimes we just think we know better than God, and we think we got a better idea than God, so we just kind of step outside that pattern, and we kind of say, you know, I'm going to try this. I know that doesn't flow with the Scripture, but I'm going to just kind of try my own little deal over here. And when you try your own little deal, you get in your own little trouble, sometimes big trouble. And so God is very clear about how the church ought to function. And so um, we know that God deals with us as individuals. But not only does he deal with us as individuals, he deals with us as a unit, as a body, as one church. See, Whitley Church is a body of Christ. We are a local church. But then up the road, we have Ebenezer United Methodist. If you go that way, you've got Princeton Church of God and Princeton Baptist and Princeton Methodist. All of these churches have various labels, but we all love the same Jesus and serve the same Jesus. Now, we're a body, and Ebenezer United Methodist is a body, and Rosewood uh, Baptist is a body, and, and Princeton, ba- and, and all these churches are body, but we're all one big body of Christ. And I think sometimes we get this feeling that we're all alone in the world. And we get this, uh, you remember Elijah when he was under the juniper tree. You'll have to study that when you read your Bible in the Old Testament. He said, I'm the only prophet serving God. And, and I hear people sometimes and I hear churches sometimes kind of give off the idea, you know, we're the only ones. We're out here all by ourselves, us four and no more, poor pitiful us. Let me tell you something, the body of Christ belts this globe. The body of Christ is all over the earth. The body of Christ is healthy and powerful and making a difference all over this world. And I am delighted this morning to tell you that here at Whitley out in the country in eastern North Carolina, we are a part of the body of Christ. What a great honor it is to be a part of that body. Well, let's go to Ephesians 4 and 7. And the Bible says there, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Now, when we read the word grace, we think of what we do before we eat, you know, say grace. And we think of uh, grace as it relates to our salvation, the fact that uh, the love of God toward us requires nothing. The love of God toward us is uh, unconditional, undeserved, unmerited favor of God. That is the grace of God. But this word grace doesn't mean either one of those things. When you go back in the original Greek language and you study this word grace, here's what it means. It means a divine enablement. A divine enablement. Now the word divine means from God and enablement means ability or gift. So a God-given gift. So let's read it in, in terms of that understanding. But to each one of us, a divine enablement has been given as Christ apportioned it. And when the Bible says as Christ apportioned it, that means that we don't all have the same gift. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. Wouldn't it be chaos if all of us had the same gift? So we don't all have the same gift. We don't all have the same amount of gifts, do we? I know some people, honestly, when God was giving out talents, it's like an angel bumped his elbow and he just poured a whole bunch on them. 
Let me just tell you a rule I think ought to be a rule. Now, I know it's not a rule, but I think if you're talented, you ought to have to be ugly. I'm telling you, this is just Farrell Hardison here. And, and, and chapter 2, verse 8. But, but good-looking people who are also very talented just ain't right. So I think if you're ugly, you ought to have a lot of talent. And I see some talented people here this morning. And, uh, and if you're good-looking, I think you ought not to be able to have any talent. Well, that's just me anyway. But don't you just look at people sometimes and go, this dude or this dudette has got it all. They got it all. If I could have just got a little bit of that, you know. But every one of you have a gift. Every one of you have a talent. So when it says Christ apportioned it, it means that everybody doesn't get the same amount. Everybody doesn't get the same gift. But in some measure, Christ has apportioned, has given to you a divine ability. So in the context of this passage in Ephesians, there's this oneness. And in this oneness, there's individuality. And in this oneness called the body of Christ, there is uniqueness in many varying gifts. So what is the big question this morning? Here's the big question. The big question is why? Why did God set it up like this? Why did God set the church up to function like this? Now, Whitley Church, listen to me. If we get this truth in us, if we get this truth in us, we will be more influential for Christ in this community than we've ever been before. I'm telling you, if you get this truth this morning, we will be more influential for Christ in this community than we've ever been. If we get this truth this morning, we will cause a tremble to go through hell, a tremble of fear. I'm telling you, out of all the truths in the Bible, Satan, our enemy, does not want us to get this today. He does not want us to understand it because if we understand it and if we practice what I'm going to preach here today, we will make him tremble in his boots. Here's the deal. Here's why we need to follow this pattern. Here's why God set it up. Because when you take your gift and you take your talent and you say, I'm not going to be the lone ranger out here. I'm not going to be uh, cut off from the church. I'm going to come into the church. Now, you watch my terminology here. And I'm going to submit. And I'm going to cooperate. And I'm going to use my gift in tandem. And I'm going to synchronize my gift with other believers and their gift. I'm not going to worry about whether I get honored And we believe in honoring. The Bible says honor those to whom honor is due. And that's what we just did with with Joe and Karen up here. And we do that every month with the leader of the month. But what I want you to do is come to a place where I don't care if I never get honored. I don't care if I never get a plaque. I never get an award. I just want to use my gift with a heart of joy, with a heart of submission, with a heart of cooperation. And I want to link up with other believers because I know if I do that, we will have more influence and more impact. And we'll be able to accomplish far more for God than if we, if we were all alone out there by ourselves. Now, think about the most damaging thing that happens in our community as it relates to the gospel. The most damaging thing is when churches are fussing and fighting. The most damaging thing to our testimony is when you begin to hear rumors about churches fussing and fighting and arguing. And I'm going to tell you something. And you may have come from a church and you may have been through that in a church, but it's just like a marriage. When that happens, there's pride. 
When that, amen, amen, when that happens, sin has come in, selfishness has come in. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, here's what Jesus is saying to us today. He's saying, Whitley Church, if you get this, you're going to do more for me than ever in your history. If you get this and you practice this, you're going to do more. And, And listen, isn't it all about him? It's all about him. It isn't about me. It isn't about Whitley Church. It's about him and presenting him to our community. And Jesus says to us this morning, guys, if you get this, you are going to have more influence with others than you've ever had before. Now let's move on very quickly. Paul says in verses 8 through 10, Paul addresses the Jewish people who are in his audience because he wants to connect this principle about how the church functioned since Jesus came and died and resurrected. And remember, Paul was constantly convincing Jewish people to leave Judaism the Old Testament way and to embrace Jesus as the Messiah. So in verses 8 through 10, that's what he's doing. And we won't study those verses because that's not the issue that we're dealing with, but I wanted to let you know why we're going to kind of skip over those. And let's go to verse 11. Look what he says in verse 11. It was he, and that's a capital H there, should be. It was he, God, who gave some, and he's going to list some of the gifts. He's going to list five divine enablements. Now, let me tell you about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are many gifts of the Holy Spirit listed in the Bible. I can't remember the exact number. It seems like it's about 28 different gifts are listed in the Bible uh, explicitly. But nowhere in the Bible does it say, here are all the gifts of the Holy Spirit and there aren't any more. So it's not a comprehensive list. Let me give you an illustration. Um, How many of you know that the gift of faith is mentioned in the Bible? You know that. And we know that some people have the gift of faith and they're able to believe for impossible things where we might struggle with it. How many of you know that the gift of music isn't mentioned in the Bible? There's nowhere in the Bible that it says there, that uh, there are people who have the gift of music. But how many of you believe, without a doubt, that some people have a special gift in the area of music to minister and to... Sure we do. So my point is that just because you read through the gifts that are mentioned in the Bible and you don't see yours there doesn't mean it's not a spiritual gift. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says, here are all the gifts and there aren't any more. It just mentions some. So here are five of them. It says it was he who gave some to be apostles. And I've told you all before that the gift of apostle is somebody who can go into a town where there is not a work of God going on and establish a church, train leadership, win people to Christ, build a church, and then leave after a couple of years and go do it somewhere else. That's, that's what an, an apostle does. That is the gift of apostle. i tell you something we're real guilty of in the local church, and that is throwing titles around. Like apostle so-and-so and and apostle, you know. And sometimes I guess those titles are correct, but a lot of times they're not correct. And they really leave people confused. So the gift of apostle, I I really would appreciate it if you wouldn't call yourself an apostle if you haven't gone somewhere and started a church from scratch. Now, I don't mean start one from a church split. Amen. (laughs) Amen. That's the gift of division right there. (laughs) All right? So apostle. So then he says... Uh, Some to be prophets. Now that prophet, we need the prophet in the body of Christ because the prophet goes, that ain't right right there. And the prophet goes, um, uh, we go, well, I'll tell you what, a little bit of gray. They said there is no gray. It's black and white. And they speak boldly. 
And, uh, you know, a lot of people think the prophet is seeing into the future and all that kind of stuff. Study what it means. Study what it means. That prophet is that person who kind of keeps the church in line, keeps the church in line, and makes sure the church is doing things based on biblical principle. We need those people, don't we? They're a little irritating, but we need them. All right. Some to be evangelist. How, how many of us should be winning people to Christ? All of us. But how, do, how many of you know that some people have the gift to do that? You know, I think the guy that preached here last Sunday has got the gift of evangelist. I really do. But I think Josh was right. As a matter of fact, his whole sermon, there's nothing in his sermon I disagree with. But Josh just has an ability with people. You know, he can walk up to somebody and start talking to them about Jesus. He feels comfortable and they feel comfortable. Some of us, you know, we feel like we ought to speak to somebody about Jesus and we go, ah, never mind, you know, and we run the other way. How many of y'all have that feeling a little bit? But all of us are to be influential, but some have the gift. Some to be pastors, and if you look up the next two gifts, pastors and teachers, in the original language, you'll find it's really one word, pastor, teachers. Now, pastors, let me tell you about pastors. We call, you know, you call me Pastor Farrell and Pastor Andy and Pastor Jared. But the fact is, i got to tell you, and this is going to be very comforting to you to know this about your pastor. I have never in any spiritual gifts workshop I've ever taken ever had the gift of pastor. And I know some of y'all are thinking, you're telling me, brother. Because <laughs> here's what that means. It means, it means, um, that you are sensitive to the needs of people. And I, I hope I'm saying, but it means you work really not so much in front of the crowd, but you work more with small groups and you shepherd. Really, the word pastor means caring for and, and being that person who's willing to do things behind the scenes and, and, and care for people. And you've just got a tender heart toward people. Now, I'm not saying I don't have those things, but that isn't my primary gift. And I know y'all are very thrilled to hear that now that I've been here. 18 years, and you're probably going, I was wondering what was wrong. But um, a pastor, let me tell you what you want in me. Here's what you want in me. You want me to have the gift of leadership. That's what you want your pastor to have. That's what you want your, your spiritual leader is to have the gift of leadership. You want me to have, because by virtue of my position, you want me to have the gift of teaching. You want me to have the gift of encouragement, and i got to tell you guys, those are the three gifts. Every time I do a workshop of spiritual gifts analysis, that's what comes up for me. Leadership, teaching, and, uh, and encouragement. And so, so a pastor, really, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you who needs to have the gift of pastor is a small group leader. If you're a peer group leader or you're a discovery group leader, you, you probably have the gift of pastor. And 301, Discovering Your Ministry, is a class you can take here at Willie Church and we'll help you discover that. And then teachers, and you know, some people are real good teachers. And then some people, when they teach, it's kind of like, you know, yawn, look at my watch, all that kind of stuff. So some people have the gift, and, and, uh, and these are just some that are mentioned. So what Paul's doing here is just mentioning a few divine enablements that God gives to people. Then Paul begins to go into why, and that's what I I want to focus on in a little bit of time I've got left. Number one, and I put this kind of different in your notes today, in your sermon notes, if you want to write this down. And I'm really, I really don't have um, a certain way for you to write down what the number one reason is and the number two reason. I'm going to kind of let you use your own words, but let me just teach it. And you pray for me because I, I want to explain this the best I can today. But it's so important that God help you get hold of this. So he's, he's telling us why God has given us these abilities. Y'all ready? Chapter 4, verse 12. 
Everybody say amen. Amen. To prepare God's people for works of service. Now, um, the reason he says that is he's talking about those five gifts I just mentioned. Uh, Pastor, teacher, what were they? Pastor, teacher, prophet, uh, apostle, evangelist. Those five gifts prepare God's people for works of service. So really what he's saying there is that the the job of the leader is to do ministry himself, and I'm going to talk about that in just a minute, but also to prepare you to do ministry. The primary role of Whitley Church is to train a mighty army of leaders and influencers to go out into the world and minister the truth of God, but also to create an atmosphere here that draws the lost here, the unsaved here, to hear about the gospel of Jesus. So, says to prepare God's people for works of service so that. Now the word so that, when you read those words, that means I'm about to tell you why. So that for the purpose of the body of Christ, so that the body of Christ may be, say it, built up until we all reach, say it, unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now that sounds very spiritual, but some of y'all are going, what does that mean? Well, Paul is talking to some people here who are very familiar with um, the fact that Jesus had just recently been on the earth with them. And they understood that Jesus Christ uh, at least claimed to be the Messiah. Some of the people Paul are talking to in this letter, uh, they know he was Messiah and they receive him as Messiah. And they know that Jesus limited himself. Now, the only person who can limit God is God. Okay, And so God, Jesus, comes to the earth and takes on a human body and he limits his omnipresence. When he was here on the earth, he was not omnipresent. He limited himself to that because he wanted to be an example to us. Are y'all with me? So if Jesus was omnipresent, he couldn't be an example to us, could he? Because guess what we can't be? Omnipresent. Very good. So Jesus was our example. So they understood, listen, 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 that Jesus was God in a body. These people Paul Paul is writing to in the book of Ephesians understand that Jesus, when he walked this earth, was God in a body. He was the hands of God. He was the feet of God. He was the eyes of God, the ears of God, the mouth of God. And they understand that he was God in a body. And then one day, Jesus said, I'm leaving. And when he said, I'm leaving, they were heartbroken. But he said, don't be heartbroken. And this is what Jesus said, and you might be amazed when I first say this, but this is what Jesus said. He said, don't be heartbroken. It's actually going to be better. He said, you're going to do greater things. Now, when he said greater things, he didn't mean greater miracles. I mean, I don't know how you could do greater miracles than raising up dead people. You know, matter of fact, he didn't only raise up dead people. He raised himself. He raised from the dead. So I don't know how you could do better than that. So what did he mean? He meant more. He meant we were going to do more of the things he did. He meant we were going to do it in a, more, in a bigger area. Y'all do know, if you study a map, Jesus was in a tiny little area on the earth when he was here. He just covered a very tiny little area. Here's what Jesus was saying. He was saying, listen, listen, the spirit that's in me, 
Listen, listen. He said, it's going to be in you. He said, and when the spirit is in you that's in me, he said, you're going to determine and realize that you have giftings. He said, and instead of the body of Christ being right here in this little holy land area, he said, the body of Christ is going to be all over the world. Ooh, because the spirit that's in me is going to be in you. And then he said this. He said, now I want you to understand. Because I want you, look, look, at the, look at the last part of verse 13, guys. Put verse 13 back up there. Look at the very last part. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You say, what does that mean? Listen very carefully to me. You've got to get this. Don't miss this. This is huge. What he's saying is, when, when you determine your gift, your spiritual gift, and you bring it into a local church, and you say, I'm going to use my gift in this local church. Now watch my terminology here because here's been the problem. I'm going to submit my gift. I'm going to cooperate. What's caused division in church? Um, they don't appreciate me. Amen? Now I'm not talking about y'all. It's a second service crowd, but I'm just warming up for them. Y'all with me? They don't appreciate me. I, they, they don't appreciate what we do. They don't appreciate what I do. They, and my gift is important, and I don't ever get me, 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 me. And then, the church, and then we start whispering and talking, and the church starts fracturing and breaking up, and the Satan knows exactly what he's doing. I love Dr. Adrian Rogers. How many of y'all remember Dr. Adrian Rogers would preach? Dr. Adrian Rogers made this statement, and I love that he said, the devil would rather start a church fuss than sell a barrel of whiskey any day. You say, what in the world does that mean? Because a church fuss will do far more damage for the cause of Christ than selling alcohol or even drugs, as evil as that is. I mean, the enemy loves it when he fractures. And here's why the church gets fractured. We won't cooperate. We won't submit. Our pride kicks in and we won't credit. And we won't, and then all of a sudden the church just begins to fall apart. The Bible says that promotion doesn't come from the south. It doesn't come from the east, and it doesn't come from the west. Have you ever read that in Psalms? You say, oh, I ought to be promoted. In other words, people ought to know what I'm doing, and I'm not getting enough. The Bible says promotion doesn't come from the south. Promotion doesn't come from the east, and promotion doesn't come from the west. There's one direction left out there. What is it? The north. Promotion comes from the north. Now, when you study that, what the writer was talking about there was that north gate of sacrifice. The city of Jerusalem, that is the gate that Jesus walked through with the cross on his back. That is the gate Jesus walked through with the crown of thorns and the blood dripping. It was the gate of sacrifice. And because Jesus humbled himself, because Jesus what? Humbled himself, therefore he has been given a name above every name. Promotion doesn't come from whining because you didn't get noticed. Promotion comes from submission. Promotion comes from cooperation. Promotion comes from, I don't care if nobody knows my name, and I don't care if nobody. I'll take the cross. I'll bear the cross. I'll sacrifice. That's when you get, no, that's when God promotes you. Because see, when others promote you and you demand to be promoted and you demand to be noticed, people don't even respect that anyway. You might have got what you wanted, but people really think, you know, he demanded that for himself. So you lose credibility. Just go through the north gate. 
Just cooperate. Just come under. We talked about this the other Sunday, and i got to quit preaching because my time's closing out. I, some of y'all are not believing. I know you're doubting. Listen, I talk, have you ever been under somebody who wasn't as competent as you? Yes. That's a test for you. You say, man, I'm under a doofus. There's a guy over me or there's a woman over me on my job or at church. Who's a, they don't know jack about this. How did they get there? Well, they may have been there longer than you. And they may have been the most talented person we had for that position at that time. And now you've come and you have to work under them. That's a test for you. It's a test. Don't talk. Don't criticize. Don't. It divides the church. It fractures the church. And that's Satan's whole plan. Because nothing's more effective in hurting the cause of Christ than church division. And the people of God said. So he says the best thing you can do is bring yourself together. And I want you to hear this. And, 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 I'll, and I'll rush through the rest of my sermon. But you've got to get this. Listen, listen. Here's what Jesus was teaching us. Attain the whole, the fullness of Christ. The fullness. Jesus was saying that the most powerful thing lost people will ever see. Listen, listen. The nearest thing unchurched people will ever come to seeing Jesus in his fullness. He's gone into heaven. Jesus isn't down here in a body. So what is the closest thing? Here's what it is. A church. A local church that has brought their gifts together and submitted to one another. Serving in joy and in love. Listen. When lost people come into that environment, when lost people come into an environment of love and cooperation and submission and they see us working like a bunch of worker ants and loving on each other and patting each other on the back and encouraging one another, lost people say, this, this is, I, I, the world doesn't offer this. This is what I'm looking for. That is the closest thing to Jesus they will ever see because we are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And when we function as a church the way he laid it out in the Bible, that is the nearest thing anybody will ever see to the actual presence of Jesus in this world. The local church. Now, I'm going to tell you something a lot of preachers won't tell you. And let me just preface this by saying I agree with everything Josh said last week. I think we ought to be bolder in our witness. I think we ought to be more confrontational. I think sometimes God's going to speak to us to go up to a person that's all fine and good. But I'm going to tell you something. The best way to reach the lost. You know, when you look at the scriptures that say go and tell people about Jesus, there are a handful of those scriptures. Which, and don't misunderstand me, I don't negate that. We ought to go and tell people about Jesus. We need to be sensitive all during the day at work and all during, we go to Walmart, go to Target, go to the post office, go to the grocery store, whatever. We need to be sensitive. And if God tells us to share Jesus with somebody, we need to always be ready to share Jesus. But I'm telling you, the way we're going to reach the most people for Jesus is when the church, the local church, Stops their politics, stops their fussing and fuming and demanding attention. And, demand, and we start loving each other and submitting to one another and cooperating with one another. And we understand, you know, my gift doesn't put me up on the stage, but I'm fine with that because Jesus knows. 
and they see us loving and, and patting each other on the back and encouraging, that's going to cause many, many more people to come to Jesus than you speaking to somebody in a post office. And I'm not negating that. Don't go out of here and say, Pastor said we don't have to do that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we can reach many more people when the church functions the way Jesus said. Does that make sense? Does that make sense to you? Number two, let me give you the second reason. The second reason that we need to, that we need to use our gifts in tandem with one another is because we will grow spiritually. Look what he says in 4.14, Ephesians 4.14. If we will discover our giftings and use them in the body of Christ and serve and, and, and not be proud and, and not demand attention and, and just serve, he says what that will do, it will cause you to grow. He says you won't be an infant anymore. Now, I don't know what y'all were taught all your life, but I was taught if you read your Bible and pray and listen to CDs and go to seminars and go to conferences and, and if you spend hours a day praying and hours reading your Bible, then you're going to grow, grow, grow. Uh, Millie teaches um, the kids in the nursery. Uh, how many of you got kids in the nursery? Uh, it says, I read my Bible and pray every day. Y'all with me? Come on, come on. Pray every day, pray every day. I read my Bible and pray every day and grow, grow, grow. Well, we're going to add a verse to that. I'm going to get Millie to teach the kids. I read my Bible and pray every day and use my gifts in synchronization in tandem with other believers <laughs> and grow, grow, grow. Because Paul says, Paul says, and I'll tell you, Satan's tricked us here. He's tricked us. He said, he's saying you can be the lone ranger and grow. You don't have to connect with the body. They're not spiritual as you are anyway. You're more spiritual than they are, so why would you connect with a bunch of losers? Amen. Satan speaks that. He whispers that to us, and he makes us think we're spiritually superior. You're not. If you think you are, that's a real good sign you ain't. Maturity says I don't have enough. Maturity says I need more. Maturity says I got a lot of growing to do. Immaturity says I'm awesome. Amen, amen? So, so, so Paul is saying here that your maturity as a Christian hinges on your willingness to use your gift cooperatively with other Christians. Did you hear what I just said? Your maturity as a Christian. Hey, don't come up telling me how spiritually mature you are and you won't serve in the parking lot parking cars. I'm, I'm too spiritual for that. Amen. Don't tell me how spiritual you are and how deep you are in God and I can't get you to stand at the door and say, welcome to Whitley Church. We're delighted you're here today. Don't tell me how spiritual you are. If I can't get you to work just one day a month at the nursery, don't tell me how spiritual you are and we're just dying for volunteers at the bridge to help us in, in nursery and, and help us with kids' church. And last night, we, and here, here's a church of 700 people and we're at the bridge, we're trying to get a work going and, and Robin has to bring the nursery and the kids' church all together because we don't have enough volunteers. Give me a break. Give me a break. Don't talk to me about how spiritual you are, and I shouldn't talk to you about how spiritual I am if we don't know how to take a towel and put it around our waist and wash feet. Amen, amen. 
That's good preaching right there. Make a tape of this for me. Look what it says in Ephesians 4. I think I just lied and I've gone past. Y'all say I knew you would. Ephesians 4, 14 through 16. There will be no longer infants. Then, then if you use your gift, you will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves. And blown here and there by every wind of teaching. By the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. I'm amazed at people who claim to be so spiritual and have so much insight. And some little new teacher will come along or some little new fad will come along. And they go, oh, have you seen that guy? Have you read his book? Have you watched him on TV? These people who claim to be so deep in God and so spiritual in God that they can't serve in the church. But you let one little, what does it say? Let one little wave come. Let one little unexpected storm come in their life. And they just fall apart. I'm so spiritual as long as everything in my life is perfect. Amen, amen. Y'all with me? Talking about that seventh, second service group so y'all don't, don't leave me now. He says, if you use your gift in the body, he said, you'll grow up and you won't be tossed around. You won't be blown here and there by every teaching and every cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why um, volunteers don't get connected to all that foolishness, that, those fads that run through the church every once in a while. Because they're so busy working, they're not seeing any of this stuff. Verse 15, instead... Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into who is the, that is, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament. There it is again. And, be, and builds itself up in love as each part of the body does its work. I can't work. I'm so spiritual. I would serve, but I have to go to a conference. I would serve, but I have to go to a Bible study. I would serve. Oh, give me a break. You need to get another pastor if you want to get that one by on somebody. My maturity individually hinges on my service corporately. My maturity individually hinges on my service corporately. Here's the big pushback. I know the pushback on this. I know what it is. Hey, listen, I push back on this teaching too. You think this teaching doesn't convict me? When I hear it, I push back too. Here's what we say. I don't have time, Pastor. I, Pastor, i got to tell you something, man. This is an awesome sermon. i got to tell you, it convicts my heart. I'm just so convicted. But I just don't have time, Pastor, I'm telling you. So here's, here's your deal. If that's your, if that's your thing, I don't have time to volunteer. I don't have time to serve in the church. Here's what you got with God. Here's what you got. You got to come to God today when we pray. And here's what you need to say to God in, the, in your prayer. You need to say, dear Lord, thank you for my health. And thank you for healing me. And thank you for letting me be born in America. And thank you for all my cars that you've given me. And thank you for my house or houses that you've given me. And, and thank you so much, God, for blessing me, blessing me, blessing me, blessing me, blessing me, blessing me. 
And thank you for my children. And thank you, God, that we're not in the hospital. Thank you that we're not battling cancer. And thank you, God, that you have just opened doors. My business has grown and I've made so much money. You know, God, you gave me a spiritual gift and I've used it. I've got to tell you, God, I've made so much money. You've been so good to me. And I just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. But God, I'm really counting on in the future you continuing to bless me and give me raises and promotions and all that stuff. But the fact of the matter is, God, you have blessed me so much that I've taken the money I've made with the gift you gave me and I don't have time for you anymore I took the gift that you gave me to use in the church and I used it to make a bunch of money and I've made so much money and you've been so good to me and I got so much stuff I just do make it on Sunday morning man and then you put me in a predicament because when I pray for you I have to go dear God I lift up the folks who are so blessed they can't serve you, that you will let them take a financial hit. <laughs> and God, that you will lay them off because you have been so good to them and they are so spoiled rotten they can't serve you. And God, I know that if you will lay them off, they will be in church this Sunday. And if you will lay them off, they will be in the altar crying and saying, I just lost my job. Everybody come pray. Am I not telling the truth? Father, let this truth be in us. Let this truth change us. If we want to win people to Christ, then we've got to serve you submissively, cooperatively, and joyfully. Not seeking notice for ourselves. God, if we want to grow spiritually, it's more than just Bible study and prayer. It's service. You said in the scripture we just read that if we will serve you with joy, if we will serve you cooperatively, if we will serve you in conjunction with other believers and not demand to be noticed, that we will mature and grow and that we will, be not, we will not be tossed around by the storms of life and we will not be carried away by every cunning, crafty, scheming, teaching that comes along. Let this word be in us today. Let it change us. Change our perspective in Jesus' name. And everybody said, the ministry fair is open.